What's happening, Lance? Man, happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas Eve. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Well, I'm sticking with happy holidays <laughs> uh, to everybody out there. Um, I'm glad we're able to get one, get one quick podcast in to recap this nice week that the Wolves just had. Um, they played four games since we spoke last, so uh, we're able to talk a little bit about some more positive things that we're seeing from these boys. Yes, indeed, and and thank you for uh, including that. Uh, happy holidays to you, no matter how you choose to celebrate this uh, time of year, no matter what your religious or non-religious affiliations, um, however you choose to acknowledge this time of year is a time for gathering with family and friends and food and youth being out of school and all of that. We hope that you are enjoying your family time safely as we get ready to transition into another new year. You are tuned into the Coach and the Culture podcast where we talk Timberwolves and a little bit of culture and other basketball stuff. I am Coach Frank. I'm joined as always by Mr. Lance Gardner, owner proprietor of Yes Trees and co-host of the Coach and the Culture podcast. And as well, we got the super producer Lloyd Leon Coop. Like usual, making sure that by the time it gets to your podcast platform ears, uh, it sounds good. It sounds neat. It sounds tight. Uh, dare I even say sultry. Um, you're tuned in to the Coach in the Culture podcast. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the week that was for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Four games on the slate. Uh, they had Miami Heat on, at Miami on Monday. Followed that up with Wednesday, Thursday games at Philadelphia and then back home for the Lakers. Both teams on the back-to-back there. And then they go to Sacramento uh, last night and catch them on a home-and-home back-to-back where Sacramento got a chance to get two in a row in their own home building. But the Timberwolves had other thoughts and plans for that idea. So we're going to recap the week that was for the Timberwolves and kind of just keep this one short and maybe talk about some players that are stepping up or doing some things within the context of the week that was. And then we'll go ahead and do Uh, concerning trend and hope it never ends our weekly segment where we talk about things that uh, we're a little concerned about that is a trend with the wolves and of course there's not a whole lot when you're sitting there in first place at uh, I believe it is 22 and 6 and um, and then we'll talk about what we hope never ends of course those are the things that the Timberwolves are rolling with and we want to see them keep rolling with them and then we'll preview the week ahead and that'll be our show today. So, Mr. Gardner, uh, mm-hmm. Miami Heat, man, with Jimmy Butler playing, he apparently decided he was going to take a bite out of the Wolves and he probably didn't like the taste he got. <laughs> yeah, nope. Uh, it seems to be like he only likes to play the Wolves in Miami. I don't know, something about the Target Center. Uh, him and KG just don't like stepping foot in that building. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's a problem. Uh, but well, they went down the to- weather this time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, they went down to uh, Miami, and I, it's funny, I don't know the exact score that I predicted, um, but before they played that last podcast we did, I said, you know, when I look at the schedule, I just look at Miami and I look at the Wolves, and it's just, we're at the point now where I just expect them to win these games, and I, I think I said it was like 111 to, to 107 or something like that, and it was it was awfully close, um, 112 to 108. Yeah, and that that is a score um, where if you're a Timberwolves fan, that you love to see. You know they played defense; they held Miami to 108 points. 
Um, they they scored just enough, as we have already talked about many times, their offense being um, the one thing that kind of we're still waiting to see click um, and get everybody on the same page and, and up their points per game a little bit. Um, but they went down there and played really good basketball from start to finish as they were going to need um, and held and held. I mean, Jimmy Butler and check Tyler Hero had a hot start. But after that, it was it was mainly all Timberwolves and, and they stuck to their style as they've been doing this whole beginning of the year. Yeah, and I think, you know, they held Miami to 41 second half points, which is, you know, absurd in the modern NBA to hold a team on an 82 point in a game pace. Um, And and Miami got buckets early. And, you know, one of the trends that we've seen is is that um, when the Timberwolves are struggling, when teams are able to score against them, uh, some of the things that rear their heads up are turnovers, you know, and, and rebounding. And uh, early, that was the case, especially with the turnovers in the Miami game. I think, you know, they only had 13 turnovers for the game, but I think they had, you know, two-thirds, if not more of them, in the first quarter or first quarter and a half of the game. And it's almost like they go into the locker room, and we've talked about this, where they kind of flip a switch and say, okay, we know what type of defense we need to play. Let's not help the other team out by turning the ball over or giving them rebounds. And they come out the second half, and they clean up their ball handling and their possession control and they clean up their boards and let their defense, their half court defense do the work. Cause when you're not turning the ball over teams, can't get run outs when you're not giving up offensive rebounds, teams can't get those kick out threes. And so they're forced to deal with you in the half court. And, you know, I think it's been much talked about uh, throughout the season that the Timberwolves half court defense is the best in the NBA. And when Rudy Gobert is not in foul trouble and he's on the floor and Mike Conley is on the floor for the offensive end of things, those two just seem to dominate games. And, you know, Anthony Edwards puts up the numbers as he's supposed to. And Cat is one of the most efficient players, I think, to ever play the game, at least in the modern game. Um, the way he scores uh, numbers without uh, taking a ton of shots, um, his, his efficiency is off the charts. And when those things are all clicking, Mike running the offense, Rudy handling the defense, um, Ant doing Ant stuff and Cat doing Cat stuff. Um, you know, they're they're just super efficient. And I think that's what you saw in the second half of that Miami game was just they dominated Miami playing the style of basketball that Miami usually uses to dominate opponents. So it was a great thing to see. Yeah, it was beautiful. And they um after Miami headed to the game that we all we sorry, was it uh it wasn't the Sixers after yeah. Miami it was Yeah, it was the Sixers. Yep. Yep, yep. So, yeah. yeah. So that was a game where, you know, we looked at that back to back Sixers and Lakers, and we both agreed that the game at the Sixers was going to be the more challenging of the two. Um, even though we played the Lakers about, you know, on the second half of that back to back. And, and it, <laughs> it, it was fitting. Um, and there's something we're going to talk about a little bit more uh, with aggressive and skilled bigs that are giving the Wolves some problems um, on the inside and then match that with a 35-point night by Tyrese Maxey and and (laughs) Joel Embiid and Tyrese scored 86 of their 127 points and nobody else on their team had over 10 points. Um, Yes, Embiid shot a lot of free throws, but that's that's normal for him. Um, and whether it's the refs or his playing style, either way, it's something that you have to account for every single game. Um, 
and they they really just dominated um down i mean Embiid, he's averaging 40 points and 10 rebounds over the, over the past month um and anthony edwards said it in the post game he said you know i just i don't know how these dudes lose a game um and when you have someone that puts up 50 and 12 and that's he's almost averaging that um yeah it's going to cause you problems um and that's what happened yeah, there's a bit of a common theme uh, going on with um, the Wolves having trouble with kind of uh, a dominant, attack-minded, athletic bigs, which I guess you could say everybody in the league has problems with that. Um, it's not like, you know, when Zion decides he wants to dominate games, it's not like anybody else has an answer for him. And when Embiid decides he wants to dominate games, it's not like anybody else has an answer for him, at least in the regular season. I think when you get mm-hmm. into the playoffs and you can game plan for a team, um, then it becomes a different story. And I think that's why you haven't seen Embiid have that big success in game sevens um, when Philly's been there and, and, you know, had game seven opportunities or why Embiid and Philly haven't gotten to the NBA finals. I think you can game plan for some of his tricks. You can game plan for how you want to force other players to beat you and what players you want them to be. And, you know, I, the, on the Twitter feeds, there was a lot of talk about, well, why didn't Chris Finch double team and beat? And, you know, why did he let him play one on one? And why didn't he do this? And why didn't he do that? And I think what we have to keep in mind is that, you know, the Philadelphia is an Eastern Conference opponent. The Wolves play them twice a year, once here, once there. Um, they already got the win here. Yes, MB didn't play, but, you know, you just play the games that are on the schedule and whoever shows up for the opponent, you, that's who you try to beat. Um, I just don't think that they're going to put that much effort in the game planning for one Philadelphia game in December, you know. And so it's kind of like you play it straight up and you see how that works out and you challenge your players and you see how your players respond. And if it's good enough, it's good enough. And if it's not, it's not. But you're not going to spend a whole lot of time, you know, losing sleep over how to guard Embiid for one game, you know, in December when you know the only chance that you'll possibly have to deal with him again is in the NBA Finals, especially when you're rolling, right? Especially when you have four games in a week, you have a conference opponent, the Lakers coming up behind that, and then another big game against a conference opponent on the road to Sacramento behind that. You're just not going to put that much effort into showing a lot of what's in your defensive cachet, trying to figure out how to stop and beat on one night. I think Tyrese Maxey getting off, especially during that stretch in the fourth quarter when Embiid was on the bench, was probably more disappointing than what Embiid did out there on the floor. Um, I think you'd like to see Jaden do a little bit better job on Maxey, who's absolutely a tough cover. Um, so, you know, he also does what he, he's done, what he's done to a lot of other people in the league as well. Um, I think more disappointing about the Philadelphia game from my standpoint was your 18 turnovers. We talked about it. What tends to get the Wolves when they're struggling, you got 18 turnovers of 22 assists. I thought Ant went into a little bit of hero ball mode in the second half. Um, I think there was a big possession where the Wolves uh, had cut the lead down to six or something like that, or uh, four or six. And he comes down and just takes a no pass, pull up three. Uh, when it wasn't really a night where you would say that he was super hot from the three point line, um, right? You know, he was two for six overall, uh, nine for 20 from the field. But that's just one of them possessions where you would have liked to see him be patient, 
Let's see what we can get better because we can get that shot anytime we want. Um, knowing that you're having trouble getting stops, you have to maximize possessions when you're having trouble getting stops. And and so there was a good, you know, there was some, I you know, I commented on Twitter, the Wolves didn't play horrible, but they didn't play well enough to beat Philly in Philly on a night when Embiid and Maxie have it going like that. Um, and they kind of... Yeah, and, and they, what... Yep, go ahead. One one thing we haven't talked about at all is also the fact that Rudy Gobert had two fouls in the first four minutes of the game, and so he had to sit um, almost the entirety of the first half. Which, if there's anybody in the league, we're you know, like I said, we're talking a little bit about how it it may be giving Rudy some fits when they're being when these bigs are being aggressive, but um, when you when you have to sit, you're all all defensive player, defensive player of the year caliber center against Joel Embiid um, and allow him to get going, you know, that 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 also plays a huge factor in his 51 points. So um, yeah. you, you never, you don't know what happens if, if Rudy's able to stay in the game and play the, you know, defense that we know he's capable of. Um, that game could be completely different. I mean, that's, that's an X factor in a game like that that was, a, you know, eliminated early on. So um, there's a lot of things that uh, happened that game, and, and as we as we always like to say, we nitpick. But at the end of the day, you can't win them all, um, right? And, and it's a game that I don't think the Wolves are upset losing. It's not like they went and lost to. Um, um, I can't even go the road. They didn't think of a team. They didn't go to San Antonio and lose, right? Or they go to they go to the Pistons and lose, <laughs> right? Um, they lost to the 76ers and then you know got right back on track the following night. Um, yeah. Yeah, be- before we move on, though, I-, I do want to make a couple notes about the free throw thing with Embiid um, because that was also what got them when they played at New Orleans is Zion was able to draw early fouls on Rudy. And Chris Finch talked about, you know, they asked Chris Finch, and I don't remember who it was that asked the question, but he was asked, um, you know, what was kind of the difference um, um, in that second half when when Philadelphia was able to make their run to kind of get some separation uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And Chris Finch flat out said, you know, Rudy Gobert having to leave the game with foul trouble, you know, when mm-hmm. and um, the thing about Embiid, because there's a lot of Twitter chatter about Embiid um, and his fouls and the way he draws fouls and the fouls that he gets from the officials. Um, and if you watch him, He's a master at knowing what you have to do to defend him and using that against you. So he starts coming downhill at your at you and you and he knows you have to brace yourself. And usually when you brace yourself, the first thing you do is you try to reach your hands out to prepare, you know, for the impacts. Like if you're gonna run into a wall, you're not gonna run into a wall with your hands back. You're gonna run into mm-hmm. a wall with your hands out so you can stop, you know, your momentum. And what he does is when you put your hands out to brace yourself against his attack, then he stops and he rips his arms up through yours and he gets those little touch fouls. And by the letter of the rule, they're fouls. I think the problem is very, 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 very few other players in the league get those same calls when they do similar things. And I think the person who gets the worst end of that stick is Anthony Edwards. If you're going to call those fouls on Joel Embiid, then you absolutely have to, A, call fouls against him when he fouls. And I'm speaking of when Anthony Edwards went to dunk on him, and that was totally not a straight up and down wall of by Embiid. He yeah. doesn't the call. Uh, but also, 
just in general, you have to give those calls to other players. You can't pick and choose, well, this player is going to get these little touch on the arm fouls when he creates that contact, but nobody else in the league is going to get it. That's an unfair competitive advantage. And I do think that, you know, at some, and, but I also think that in the playoffs, Embiid doesn't get those same calls, which is also why I think it's a disservice to Joel Embiid because you're giving him that all season long and then come playoff time, you're not giving him that call and then he gets frustrated and we talk about how Cat loses his head. Joel Embiid can also lose his head come playoff time. And so you're not really, yeah, you're going to get Pat, Stad, Stad, Pat, you know, um, uh, stat pad your regular season numbers and it might get you a regular season MVP but they're not going to give you those same calls in the playoffs and you're never making the finals so it's really a, not only a disservice to you know the other players in the league for not getting those calls it's a disservice to Joel Embiid because it doesn't prepare him for the way the way the game's going to be called in the playoffs um I think Anthony Edwards is much more prepared for playoff basketball than Joel Embiid because he doesn't get them calls all season long, and hence he goes out there and scores 32 points a game. In the playoffs. <laughs> you know, so I did want to kind of mention, because there's so much Twitter chatter, and I know a lot of our listeners come from the Twitter sphere, about the way that Embiid gets those touch calls. And it's not so much that those aren't fouls, but the fact that nobody else in the league, especially nobody else on the Timberwolves, gets those same arm grabs and wrist slaps with any regularity. And Ant, more than anybody, gets his arms raked and his wrists slapped when he's going to the basket. And he does it with much more contact than the stuff they call for Embiid, and he doesn't get those calls. And so I think that's the more frustrating thing for um, Timberwolves fans, but just NBA basketball fans in general, as it relates to how officials officiate Joel Embiid. But as it relates to the Wolves, the same calls Embiid got was the same calls that Zion was getting, and both of those players dominated the game in a way that the Wolves' offensive inefficiencies in those games couldn't overcome. And I mentioned that on uh, Twitter. I mentioned that Anthony Davis is going to pose some of the same problems, and I didn't know LeBron wasn't going to play at the time, but I'm really curious, you know, kind of foreshadowing when we get into next week, if both LeBron and Anthony Davis play, I'm curious to see how Anthony Davis probably getting similar calls and playing a similar way and putting up similar numbers is also going to affect the game when you have LeBron playing with him like he didn't in the next game. We're going to cover the Thursday game against the Lakers. All right. Those are all all great points. Um, <laughs> speaking of files with Anthony Edwards, you know, I, I'm one of the people that really dislike when you complain about every single call that's called or not called. And as much as Anthony, I love him. I love, I'm so glad we have him and all, everything that's positive. I'm starting over the past couple of weeks, probably the past month. He, every time he goes to the basket, his arms are raised and he's looking for a call. Um, and, I, there's nothing that, I mean, is what it is. He's not the only person in the NBA that does it. I just, when watching the game, is something that I don't like seeing. Yeah, and I agree. Um, I think that it's twofold. I think that he's looking at the calls that other quote-unquote superstars are getting and going, hey, you know, I'm getting the same amount of treatment. Matter of fact, I'm getting more physicality and less calls. I also don't think it helps that um, Jaden McDaniels, his buddy, gets called for the touch fouls that he gets called for. And so I think that, you know, and, and keeping in mind Ant's 22, 
you know, and so he's impressionable still. Um, and then, of course, Cat and the amount of contact that he absorbs um, because he doesn't get nearly a fraction of the whistle that guys like Embiid get as well. And, I, you know, I think the Timberwolves are handling it much better this year. Um, and I think that also plays a role in their record that they're just handling the fact that they don't expect those calls um, and they're playing through it much better. And, and that's affecting outcomes where I think, you know, in the previous years, they let it bother them so much that it was affecting their focus. Um, but I do agree that, you know, the hey, the constant hey every time he goes up. Now, again, in his defense, it's difficult because when you just watch MB go to the line 18 times and barely get fingers on him, um, it's hard. When you see the replays of the plays Ant's complaining about and you see how often his arms get grabbed and there's no call. Um, I can understand the frustration. They're just going to have to keep playing through it. And I think, you know, the more you win games, the more you start to get the benefit of the doubt, the less you complain, the more the narratives change on you in the officials' eyes. And so they're not there yet. They still have to prove it to the league. They have to prove it to the officials. They have to prove it to opponents. Um, it's nice that they're 22-6 and six and tied for the best record in the league. But they are very much still in prove it land. You know, they're still in right. territory. I'm looking, I just did real quick look up. He's uh he's only averaging five and a half free throws a game. Yeah. Um, which which at a for a superstar level is very low. Um, yeah. that might that might be, you know, in the average range if you're looking at players that play the same amount of minutes as him. Um, but for someone who has is as aggressive um, as he is, and his, you know, just call it as it is. Superstars get more calls; they get more protected. They they want higher ratings, higher views, more points, all, all the above. Um, and he's only getting um, five and a half free throws a game, which is, you know, like you're saying, low compared to everybody else that he's watching getting these foul calls, um, which in turn could aggravate you and cause your arms to go up. And hopefully, um, you know that. Like you said, as he grows and gets older, I mean, he witnessed it with Cat, and he's mm-hmm. done a great job of controlling his emotions this year and not doing the whining to the refs. And um, I don't, you know, it's nowhere near Cat's level with what he's doing. I mean, like I said, it's, it's just that his arms are going up after every single drive um, versus what we were dealing with with Cat, which was just arguing and yelling at the officials and pouting and all the other stuff that he was dealing with throughout those years. But um, it's just something small that I you know, as a player, but I've never been in the NBA either. <laughs> uh, right. Know that, you know, it's it's not a it's not a good look and nobody nobody really likes to deal with that. Yeah, and you know, and I'll say this one last comment and we can move on to the Laker game. You know, usually low man wins, usually low man is gonna get those calls. And one of the reasons Embiid gets those calls is because he's bringing his arms up from under people and then mm-hmm. up roof. Um one of the reasons Cat doesn't get a lot of calls is because he's usually not playing with great leverage. I think he's done a better job this year of playing with leverage and body control. But Ant's always low man. Um, and so that's, I think, another one of the frustrating things for Ant is he's always coming up and through. And they mm-hmm. rake his arms a lot. And he doesn't get those calls. And I think that, you know, to his defense, that every other key player in the league is getting those calls. And he's just yeah. not. And so... You know, it's it's it'll come, it'll come. You know, but I understand his frustration. Lakers, 
Lakers, so they come back, second game, back-to-back, back home at the Target Center. As we talked about the, the environment, unfortunately, I, I wanted to actually get to the game, but I didn't make it happen, and I can only imagine what the environment was like. They um, I don't – yep. <laughs> I figured that some along those lines um, as they're breaking other records with their actual play as well. The the city is loving it right now. Yep. Um, I don't know why, but – uh, like I said, you know, we'll take it as we state, um, but it just seems like every marquee game seems like somebody's deciding they want to sit against us. Um, and this time it was LeBron. Um, and is what it is. Man's, what, 40 years old? <laughs> yeah, he's the 38, I believe, 39, 40, I, I, some, something like that. Year 22, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, 21, 22. I, in his defense, they had a pretty uh, – he, he put in a lot of work trying to keep his team in it uh, in Chicago the night before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when he plays, his user rate is really, really, really high for somebody his age, and he plays a lot of minutes, and he has to because that team, as you very well saw, is not competitive without him. And I think they came in on a four-game losing streak. I think we pushed it up to five. Um, and so, you know – I can't really blame LeBron for taking a night off. The other thing is LeBron sometimes takes a night off just to be like, you know what, I just played 40 minutes last night and dropped, you know, crazy amount of points and rebounds and assists. And y'all go do so. Yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all go, y'all go earn your money. Jeez. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that for sure. It's just, you know, as a, as a, as a, someone who's loving watching the Wolves right now, it's just something you hear in the background. Well, they didn't play LeBron and they didn't play Kyrie and they didn't play. It's just always nobody, you know, is it real? They're not. Every time they play somebody, somebody's one of their all-stars is not playing. And to be the best, you got to beat the best. So that's that's the only reason I say that. Um, yeah. But they came home, sounded like what you just said. The target center was rocking. Um, they had all five of their starters had over 10 points. Um, they had 40 assists. They had they they in every single stat category, um, they won the game. Shooting percentage and three point percentage was a little bit lower, but all the extra stuff, all the things that require extra hustle and effort, um, they they took the cake in. Um, and it was it was a fun game to watch. I think that they let them hang around a little bit, um, which you know we've we've talked about making sure that you. Keep the foot on the gas, uh, on the pedal, but I mean, I think they were up. They end. They only won by seven, but I think they were up sixteen in the fourth quarter or something along those lines. Yeah, um, and he'll try to shoot the Lakers back into it. Yeah, and uh, I also saw Ant, um, which is fine. Um, he he looked to be like he was having a little fun um, towards the end of the game, and. It seems like when Ant decides he's going to have fun instead of being professional, um, the whole team then uh, deals with his decisions. Because um, same with, uh, I think it was actually a Lakers game. He tried to, no, it was Sacramento last night, but a lot of one-on-one, a lot of ISO stuff. Um, and when he does that, he does seem to turn the ball over quite a bit when he's going without a specific intention and he's just looking to have fun out there and score. Um, it seems like he gets stripped a lot and is just not – doesn't look the greatest. Well, yeah, he's still 22, and, and Chris French was frustrated. We'll get to the Sacramento game in a second, but Chris French was definitely frustrated with him 
Um, he called in the media timeout and just kind of gave him a look, <laughs> you know, and, and tried not to look at it. You know, you know, as a player, mm -hmm. and when your coach is mad at you and you just don't even want to look at him. Um, but the thing about the Lakers game, and we've talked about this on the podcast, is uh, I still I still say that Boston Celtics win here at home created a baseline for when we need to turn it up and put a team away or when we need to turn it up and put our stamp on the game, that's what they turn to. They know what it looks like, what it feels like, what the concentration level is, because they did that for 48 minutes here um, at home against Boston. And so, you know, the Lakers game, they kind of let the Lakers hang around. You know, it wasn't a super clean game. Um, you know, but when they need to, excuse me, when they need to, they turn it up on defense. And, you know, it, it, it Mike Conley was asked, I, I want to say it was Britt Robson um, uh, interviewing him in the locker room, but he was asked, you know, how about the level of energy that it takes to play defense the way that they do. And you and I talked about it on the podcast a few weeks ago, how they're not always going to play 48 minutes of that Boston Celtics game level defensive intensity. That's impossible to ask over the course of 82 games. But when you can turn it up for 12 minutes or 16 minutes or 15 minutes or even, you know, nine minutes of a fourth quarter, when you know you have that switch that you can go to when you need to, um, Sometimes that's enough. And against a LeBronless Lakers team coming stumbling in here on the back to back. And even though the Wolves also had a back to back in Philly, I think it's a very different feeling when you're the Lakers coming in on a losing streak and losing at Chicago, who's up and down versus the Wolves coming in here, having lost for the first time in like four games and you're coming back home and there's just a different vibe. And the Wolves flipped that switch when they needed to. Um, there's a lot of talk, obviously, because, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Mike Conley are going to be forever linked in Wolves and Lakers lore because of the trade last year and how much Mike Conley has meant to this team. And I think, you know, the difference is in the stats. Mike Conley, 16 points, eight assists, one turnover, you know, six of nine shooting, super efficient, four for six from three, you know, super efficient. Uh, not doing anything to put his team in bad situations, you know, not being selfish, only nine shots taken. Then you look at D'Lo, 17 points, so one more point, eight assists, so the same amount of assists, 19 shots. That is ultra inefficient when you score 17 points on 19 shots um, and four turnovers. And that, in a nutshell, is the difference, I think, between um, the Wolves this year especially when you consider the Mike and Rudy relationship and the Wolves last year, when you consider how D'Lo manages teams and the D'Lo-Rudy relationship. So I think that game is, you know, indicative of why the Wolves are 22-6. and six. And, you know, you said it earlier, you just don't enjoy watching D'Lo play. And, you know, of course, immediately after that game, Darvin Ham makes the uh, announcement that he's moving D'Lo to the bench, you know, so... Of course, the Wolves fans got a kick out of that and <laughs> that up on Twitter and, you know, Digo's comment that he felt held back when he was praying for Minnesota. So, you know, mm -hmm. the Warriors held him back, the Wolves held him back, and now the Lakers are holding back. Because <laughs> um, it's never him, you know. Right. The, 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 the self-awareness is uh, something that's always been a little short 
with uh, D'Angelo Russell. So real quick on that on that note, I, yeah, I really you know if, if you're if you watch basketball, you played basketball, and you have a little background knowledge, you really understand how important Mike Conley is. Yeah, um, if you look at just highlights and all the above, although he's probably made a few highlight threes in clutch time. Um, but you you don't really you may not really understand just how important he is to this team. What do you think the Wolves' record is if they don't have Mike Conley running your point guard right now? And and without and I'm not even going to say. I mean, you could insert D'Lo into this equation, or you could just say any other point guard in the league because Mike Conley is one of one. Um, and so, where do you think the Wolves sit if Mike Conley is not on the Wolves roster right now? That's hard to say because it would depend on who the other point guard is, you know. Um, so that's hard to say. Um, you know, they're sitting at twenty-two and six. I say that Mike Conley just being Mike Conley versus any other point guard in the league, which is again, it's hard to say because you know, are you talking about John Morant? Are you talking about De'Aaron Fox? You know, like I guess, I guess my my thought process is if we don't. If we don't get Mike Conley, we don't. We there's no free agent. The only free agent point guard out there was Dame Lillard. Um, so we're just gonna assume we wouldn't get him in any he case. Hated. He was traded. Sorry. Yes. Um, we're gonna assume we would have no all star quality point guard on our roster. Um, and this is gonna sound odd, but I think the other point guard that would have them in a similar position. And this is going to hit people out of left field, but I really think that this particular guard style of play would bode well with this team. Can I guess it? Go ahead. This he was a free agent, or we would have to trade a free agent. I was going to say Fred Van Bleet, but I don't think he was a free agent. Uh, Yeah, he was a free agent. He signed with Houston as a free agent. Was it him? Uh, That's not who I was going to say, but that's a good one. Um, I, I think that you would get somewhat similar results. I don't know that he's as good of a offensive game manager as currently is, um, but he might bring you some other things. Um, but I was going to actually say Dennis Schroeder. That's a good one. Dennis Schroeder. Um, and, and the reason why I say that, and I'm really thinking of how he managed that Germany team in the um, FIBA but that kind of lower usage guard that can be devastating in pick and roll game that can be a quality defend just good enough of a defender when need be um and can make some clutch shots when he's wide open um so i you know and, and who also is a decent game manager um i i don't know you know if mike connelly's worth eight wins maybe dennis schrader is worth four or five wins. Maybe Fred Van Fleet is worth four or five wins. If you're looking at point guards that are kind of on that caliber, but I don't think there's many that you could put on this team that can have the impact that they've had on Rudy, um, as well as the leadership and kind of that better, um, you know, uh, Paul Paul, dare I say ish. (laughs) And you, you know, you look at, I don't watch Fred Van Fleet play enough to know his leadership skills. Um, but, that out of anything, that's the part that I think people are missing because he's, you know, Mike Conley doesn't, he's not flashy. He doesn't need to be in the center. He doesn't need limelight. He doesn't need any of that stuff. But the amount of 
information and knowledge and just awareness that he's putting on this team is huge. And you said eight games um, that you think Mike Conley might have won us or, you know, was a the key factor of where we're at right now. I I actually am going to say 10. Um, okay. I, I think that I think that, um, you know, depending again on who the who the point guard would have been, there's some there's some changes in there. But I think that um, without a Mike Conley style point guard, you're you're then putting all your baskets on Anthony Edwards um, in all phases of the game with Cat kind of doing what he's doing. But um, then you you put a lot on Anthony Edwards. And I think right now Anthony Edwards is capable of doing a lot, but he also doesn't have a ton of a ton of responsibility besides to just be himself and then finish closeout games. Well, he doesn't have to manage the game. And right. And that's a lot of responsibility that as a 22 year old who's trying to learn this league and become the best that he can be, he doesn't have to worry about all of those other things that um, Mike Conley is taking off of his shoulders. Well, I think the, the for Chris Finch is just as big, you know, that there's a lot that Chris Finch doesn't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. When, uh, as your point guard, you know, Fred Van Fleet's a little bit younger. He's an NBA champion, so he knows what it takes to get there. He's been there and done that. He played a key role on that Toronto championship team. That's why one of the reasons why Houston gave him so much money. Um, mm-hmm. and he's a little bit younger. Uh, but I just think that when you have the offensive weapons that the Wolves have around them and you have kind of the volatility and the personalities that they have around them when you're talking about Rudy Cat and Ant and Jaden, um, I just don't think you can discredit Mike's personality. And then also, you know, for those who have not followed Mike Connolly's career, I was a Mike Connolly fan when Mike Connolly was at Ohio State with Greg Oden. And Greg Oden got all of the accolades, but Mike Connolly made that machine run. And um, so Mike Connolly has always been a winner and he's always been a dog. And I think sometimes people look at somebody's stature and they underestimate their mental fortitude and their competitive fire. And if you watched Mike Connolly going all the way back to Ohio State, he hasn't changed much in terms of his approach to how he plays basketball. Mike Connolly always been that dude. Um, I think Minnesota fans are just realizing it because, you know, if you're a casual basketball fan, you didn't watch Mike Connolly at Ohio State, right? Um, but Mike Conley been that dude for his entire career. And his dad was that dude. And his mom was that dude that. Like Mike Conley <laughs> comes from athletic greatness, you know. So I don't think that people can underestimate um, you know, how much that this isn't like he's not doing anything other than what he has always done mm-hmm. and what has always been. And he's still it's funny because even as the Timberwolves are freaking uh, first in the West and tied for first in the league, he still flies under the radar. Like what? There's nothing that he could do unless he decides he's gonna, which is he's capable of averaging 22 points a game and nine assists and just having the ball in his hand the whole game. Um, he's ca- but he's capable of doing that, and it's yeah. funny because it no, like it just tells you, um, you know what what people look for and what the league is really driven by because you have someone who we're talking as a 10 game winner um, for the best team in the league and unless you know basketball you're not really following what he's really doing out there um, yeah and and you know he's that guy who's always been you know uh, his, the whole time in Memphis he was always that guy where you know he could have been an all-star but you know ex-player 
you know, this player, mm-hmm. that Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, you know, the players that were in the guard, the point guards that were in the West. Uh, you know, he was always that odd man out, but he was always like would have been the next man in, right? Right. And so he and then he got the one all-star nod, of course. Um, so he's always been, you know, right on the cusp. Really, he's always been an all-star player. He's always been an all-star player. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that, who's always just kind of been the odd man out by the greatness that has been the guards in the Western Conference throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Um and so um, you know, that that and he's playing like that, you know, like you said, he could be putting up all-star numbers if that was his role, still at 36. Yeah. So that just um, his his greatness. Let's move well, on. If you, yeah, real, real quick, if you okay. if you weren't if you weren't a Mike Conley fan, maybe now just us talking about it, you'll understand what he's really doing and and, and maybe we'll up his jersey sales by one or two. Man. <laughs> and, and and you know, it, Everything's on YouTube. Go back to YouTube and check out Mike Conley at Ohio State. If you think mm-hmm. I'm kidding. If you, if you never really quite understood or understand, like when when Mike Conley was talked about in trade rumors is coming here and there were people like, ah, we don't want Mike Conley. He's washed up. He's this, that. And there were people that were talking that on Twitter. And I was like, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. That's for certain. Once you got it left in the tank, you were like, okay, yeah, he, we, we, got, we got ourselves one. Okay, so yeah, we were moving on here to the last night game, one of the best games that the Timberwolves have played this year um, in Sacramento against the Kings. Yeah, um, you know, we keep saying, I feel like once a week we say this is the Timberwolves' best win or this is the Timberwolves' best road win or, you know, they, they just keep raising the bar for themselves and I kind of felt like I predicted it a little bit on Twitter um, when it was predicted, when it was determined that Cat was not going to play. Um, I truly feel like Cat could have played last night. I felt like this was Chris Finch and the organization's way of buying a game off for Cat because they actually match up better with Sacramento without Cat um, than they do with Cat. And uh, when Sacramento came here and and hung the only loss that the Wolves have had this year on them in Target Center, um, a lot of that was Harrison Barnes early, kind of giving Cats fits, giving Cat fits. Harrison Barnes is not a great matchup for Cat. Cat has been outstanding defensively this year, and he's played all types of power forward. But as players, we all have run into that guy that something about what they do just doesn't mesh with what we do. Um, we all had that guy we had to guard that is just like, man, this dude, why does he always kill me? <laughs> and I just think Harrison Barnes is a difficult matchup for Cat at the four. On the other hand, Harrison Barnes is tailor-made for Kyle Anderson. And, yep. and uh, so I felt like, you know, people were like, oh, we got to go into Sacramento without Cat. And I was like, mm, I kind of feel like this was very strategic by the Wolves coaching staff. Uh, to buy Cat a couple extra days of rest and keep him away from a matchup that's problematic. If you're going to beat Sacramento in Sacramento, you cannot let Harrison Barnes get going. Excuse me. And you can't let Trey Lyles get going. And I felt like Kyle Anderson's a great matchup to not let Harrison Barnes get going, and he did it. You know, Harrison Barnes got some buckets late. But, um, you know, in the fourth quarter, who would you rather have getting a bucket or two, Harrison Barnes or De'Aaron Fox, you know, which we'll get to in a little bit here. Um, And then, um, 
in the mid portion of the game, now uh, Nas Reed kept. Um, 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 now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Lyles, uh, out of, out of the uh, you know, he kept kept him out of the 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 uh, man. Why am I drawing a Trey Lyles? Goodness gracious! <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on the man's name. He kept Trey Lyles from getting going in the middle portion of the game. Again, Trey Lyles got some buckets going early, and it's going to look like Trey Lyles outplayed Nas Reed because you know he goes four for eight and he has ten points. You know, a lot of that was. Again, in the fourth quarter, he got going, hit a couple, hit a couple threes, uh, hit a three in a, in a couple buckets, and you kind of go, well, who would you rather have taking those shots in the fourth quarter, Trey Lyles or De'Aaron Fox, right? Um, but in the middle portion of the game where the Wolves were kind of controlling the game, that middle stint, Nas Reed got all six of his points and really affected Trey Lyles and kept him from, from doing much, right? And so during Sacramento's late push to come back, yes, Harrison Barnes got some buckets. Keegan Murray got some buckets. Trey Lyles got some buckets in that fourth quarter. Maybe they gave up a little, a few more points than you would like to see them give up in the fourth quarter. But when it's all said and done, they still hold Sacramento under 100 points because you hold De'Aaron Fox scoreless. You hold, um, um, you are, you hold uh, Sabonis scoreless in the fourth quarter and, uh, that's kudos to Rudy and kudos to Jaden with a little help from Nikhil. And we can talk. I want to talk about that a little more in detail after I get your thoughts on the game overall. But I just felt like the I, I texted on Twitter. I said, if Nasri, Jaden McDaniels, and Anthony Edwards are making shots, the, I feel like the Wolves have a good chance of winning this game. Nas didn't get many shot attempts, which is rare. Um, but Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards absolutely made shots. The other thing that we talked about, uh, on Twitter a little bit was Kyle Anderson needing to find his offensive game if he's going to play in lineups uh, without Cat. And Kyle Anderson absolutely found his offensive game. And so the end result is, you know, a double-digit victory on the road, holding Sacramento under 100 points without Carl Anthony Towns. And I just think that was really strategic by Chris Finch and the Wolf coaching staff to make sure that they matched up in a way with Sacramento that counteracted Sacramento's strengths. Mm-hmm. If that's what they did, then that's you know <laughs> more more kudos to Chris Finch and and all the people that say for whatever reason, and I still could never imagine why we would want to get rid of him already. But to the people that said he should go bye bye, um, overall thoughts on the game. Um, yeah. like I said, I personally think even without Carl Anthony Towns, this is one of the best Timberwolves wins of the entire season. Um, huge emphasis on keeping them under 100 points. I mean, this is a high-scoring, high-quality offense in Sacramento. Um, Mike Conley, after the game, was talking um, with a reporter and said that <laughs> first thing that came out of his mouth was, we still have so much more that we haven't even tapped into yet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think we've we've said that. I mean, we've we've said that there's still – there's still some kinks. There's still games where it's only one of the two, where it's only Cat or only Ant, and there's not a whole lot of games where they're getting two, um, Cat and Ant or Ant and Jaden. Jaden really is the piece that we really wanted to come out. I think we talked about preseason, him averaging like 18 points a game or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Which he's averaging he, in his last three, by the way. Right, and that, you know as he's getting – his feedback under him and back into the rotation. He's playing really good basketball. Um, the three-point shooting overall for the team um, 
is so-so, um, specifically Anthony Edwards, um, who we know is a much capable three, much more capable three-point shooter um, than what he's been averaging as of late. Um, I think he's shooting around 32% from three right now. Um, just looking at it really quickly. Um, he's falling off with 30, little- 37%, um, which isn't, isn't terrible. Um, no, but where he needs to be. I mean, we'd like to see him closer to 38 and a half, 39, but you know, for the, for the types of threes that he takes, 37% isn't bad at all because it's not like he takes a lot of wide open, easy threes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the whole, whole point in saying all that is that the Wolves still have, um, another level to them. Um, you know, they have, a lot of talent on their roster, as we've talked about. The depth is there. Um, I think the Shake Milton and the Troy Brown Jr. I mean, Troy Brown only played three minutes last night, which is very interesting. Um, and I, I think that's uh, one part of it was matchups, um, and two, the other part of it was that I think Chris Finch knew that they got two days off, and so generally, when you know you have that time off, you're going to play more of a playoff style rotation. You're going to ride your starters for heavy minutes as long as nobody's in serious foul trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. You know, there just wasn't a lot of minutes for um, Troy Brown last night um, based off of matchups, I felt like, for the Wolves. I think he wanted to keep Kyle Anderson on the floor as much as possible. Um, I think he wanted to keep Nikhil on the floor, you know, as much as possible because you're dealing with De'Aaron Fox. I think the guys you can't let hurt you when you're playing Sacramento our Herter, uh, you know, Kevin Herter. Um, you can't let, you know, Duarte get some threes off. You can't let Trey Giles hurt you. You know, you can't let Harrison Barnes hurt you. Um, you know, Malik Monk didn't play uh, for whatever reason on the second night of that back-to-back. He must be injured, um, you know, so. Yeah, he, he didn't play. Um, but it, just looking at that, you know, with, with you saying that, um, talking about this is more, of you know, kind of what the playoff numbers, minutes are going to look like. Um, you know, the Wolves put up 110 points um, without Carl Anthony Towns. And so if you replace Cat with Kyle Anderson and you just assume he's going to get his average, and let's just say he gets even under his average and scores 20 points. Um, and Nas Reed is, I mean, he's averaging, I think, 12. Yep. Maybe even a little higher. So yep. um, if you if you insert those Cat back into the roster and Nas Reed gets two more shot attempts, which is probably, you know, that, that's the, I would say that's very plausible. Um, this looked like a game where <laughs> um, if you pull, if, if everyone plays the way they played last night with Cat back in the lineup, um, that's championship caliber team right there. Yeah. Because um, you're, you're looking at, you're looking at about 120, 122 points. The defense was obviously there, um, and we only shot 30% from the three-point line, which as a team, I think we're shooting 38%, so we're even low on that. Um, But if you look at the stats, the box score of this game, and look at the numbers for what was produced, um, that is kind of what we're looking for um, when we're talking about the Wolves being at their their potential level, Um, obviously, again, inserting Cat into that lineup. Yeah, the, the got were down, so that's something you'd love to see. Only 12 turnovers, that's, you know, an acceptable number, especially when you uh, measure that up against 31 assists. So when you got mm-hmm. 30 assists and 12 turnovers as a team, uh, you didn't get 
killed on the boards. We talked about, you know, and they've done much better lately on the re- on the boards. Um, you know, you give up um, only eight offensive rebounds. You collect seven. Um, you win the overall rebounding battle. You shoot 51% from the field. We talked about how suffocating the defense was. I, I want to talk about something we you mentioned briefly, Jaden McDaniels. Um, and so a couple things that have happened as he started to find his rhythm and his stride. You know, they went three and one on the week and um, they had two games back to back, actually, where they had five starters and double figures um, that didn't happen in the Philly game. But they had three players with 20 points or more against Philly. And then Rudy Gobert was one point away from having five starters and double figures in the Miami game. So not only is Finch starting to tighten up the rotation and settle in on who's going to play and get some routine for those guys on a nightly basis. Um, but you're starting to see that uh, across the board production in that starting group, um, you know, and, and and Nas, you know, I think it's rare for him to only get four shots. Uh, but again, I feel like all six of his points were at a time in the game where the Timberwolves kind of, you know, he kind of dominated that Trey Lyles matchup with those six points in that middle portion of the game. Um, and so I thought that was very subtly huge points. Even Shake Milton, he only had five points in 14 minutes, but when Sacramento tied the game up and made a run and the fans are going crazy and they got a little momentum and all of a sudden Shake Milton hits that big corner three and the Wolves immediately go on a run right back at him after that in the second quarter. Um, so, you know, I think that, that, uh, you know, you're starting to see the role players kind of fill into their roles and the starters fill into their role. And I think one of the most key components, because it can't be understated that you held De'Aaron Fox, who was, you know, the most prolific fourth quarter player in the league last year to zero points. And then on top of that, Gobert holds Sabonis to zero points in that fourth quarter. And you can say, well, Sacramento was playing on a second half of a back to back. Yeah, but it's a home, you know, two back to back games at home. And so, and they had well, they, they again they didn't have Malik Monk, but they had, and he is a huge right. part of their team. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, we have Carl Anthony Towns. To me, that's a wash. <laughs> I think that's not a wash. I think we actually they actually had the upside on that. But, well, yeah, but I mean, um, yeah, so I'll say they can't use the excuse. Oh well, we had Malik Monk. Yeah, well, we had Carl Anthony Towns. So I ain't trying to hear that. Right. <laughs> um, but no, it's that's those are numbers. J- Jaden McDaniels. Sorry, go yeah. Ahead. I want I wanted to get to this point because we talked about it in the preseason podcast about how, you know, Jaden got that big contract and the number one way he's got to earn that contract is by staying on the floor. And the way he stays on the floor is you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice some buckets early so that you can be on the floor and be as aggressive as you can possibly be late. Right. And there's, you know, they go on a three and one week where you win at Sacramento at Miami home against the Lakers. But you look at Jaden McDaniels' minutes, he plays 41 minutes against Sacramento, right? Huge minutes for Jaden McDaniels chasing De'Aaron Fox around. He plays, um, you know, he plays 36 minutes against the Lakers. You know, he turns around against Philadelphia. I believe he played, yes, 38 minutes against Philadelphia. His low-minute game of the week was 30 minutes against the Miami Heat. And and he's averaging 18 points a game in his last three. 
when Jaden McDaniels is not fouling early, which allows him to defend to the maximum of his aggressiveness and ability late. I think as the Wolves continue to progress through the season, if that can be a trend, these fourth quarters are going to belong to the Wolves. Because if Jaden McDaniels goes into a fourth quarter with three fouls only committed, he's going to be a nightmare for whoever is the alpha guard score on the other team. And you saw that play out in the Miami game. Uh, you saw that play out in the Sacramento game. You saw that play out in the Lakers game. I mean, he did foul out of the Miami game, but after 30 minutes of play, and when he fouled, by the time he fouled out, the damage was kind of already done. You know, the Sacramento game, uh, he committed, I don't think he even made it to five fouls. No, he committed uh, four fouls in the Sacramento game. So that's where you want him to be. He's going to commit some fouls, but if he can get to the fourth quarter and only have committed three fouls, he's go- they're going to be a problem. They're going to win fourth quarters, and they're going to have more fourth quarters where they shut down guys like De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis when Jaden McDaniels doesn't have to worry about not committing a foul to stay in the game. And then you combine that with his offensive production, and when you talk about what's out there for the Wolves in terms of how they can improve, that is a major step of improvement if Jaden McDaniels can get in the fourth quarters with only three fouls committed. That's a great point. Uh, not only the limited amount of fouls for him to be more aggressive on that end, but um, if you don't have to exercise as much energy yep. um, come third quarter, fourth quarter, when you know I'm, I would only assume at this point in the year that the Wolves are still in the game, um, you have, I mean, a whole half of not having to exert all of your energy and, and saving that up for the second half of the game is huge. Um, so, you know, yes, also on top of limiting the amount of fouls to let him be aggressive, he also is going to have a little more energy on the defensive end, second half of the game. And one more thing on top of that, if you're not exerting all your energy, picking up fouls, getting frustrated early yep. on in the game, yep. now – you have the ability to do a little bit more on the offensive end too, yeah. which Jaden McDaniels over the past, I think, was this is his third year, fourth year now. Yep. Um, year. Over the past three years until this year, his main focus has always been defense, um, and that's what the, the Wolves have needed him to do against the other team's best player because they, you know, they they were still figuring things out, um, and that alone was keeping them in basketball games um and so now that they have some other things for them to stay in games and it's not just strictly on Jaden mcdaniel shutting down the other team's best player now you can find other ways to incorporate him in the offense which another reason why hopefully their uptick in, in scoring goes up as he gets back um into the swing of things yeah, and his shooting is real. You know, two years ago, the, before last season started, I was talking with Dane Moore um, during his preseason uh, um, fan uh, live fan podcast show, and uh, we talked actually a little bit after the show, and, and I told him that I felt like Jaden McDaniels was going to be a high 30, low 40% three-point shooter, especially out of those corners, and Dane was like, ah, I'm not so sure. Well, last year he shot 40%, um, and this year he's shooting around 40%. And the Dane Moore shooting is real. Um, the Dane Moore, you mean the Dane Moore? The Dane Moore shooting. Man. Oh my God! I'm sure Dane was like, "Yep, my jumper's fire." <laughs> <laughs> the Jaden McDaniel shooting is real. The Jaden McDaniel scoring is real. 
Um, you know, Ben Beacon was talking about how the Wolves uh, brass were saying that they felt like he could be a little bit more of a shot creator, and he was uncertain about that. And, you know, I I, I don't ever, you know, I keep my opinions to myself a lot of times um, when it comes to what I hear from other podcasts. But one of the things that grates me is when guys draw um, opinions about these guys that are 21, 22 years old when you know they're still developing and anybody who um, knows about Jaden McDaniels from high school on up talked about his offensive abilities and how he's playing a role for the Wolves, but he's got a lot in his offensive bag. And I just think over the next year to two years, you're going to see Jaden McDaniels become a 20 plus point and game score on a night in and night out basis, along with the defense, because it's really clear. This dude's got a lot in his bag, both hands, mid range gets to the basket and can shoot the three. Yep, I agree with all those things. Um, I am going to let you um, finish this out with the uh, maybe you'll talk a little bit about what they got coming up this week, and then concerning concerning trends and hope it never ends. Um, but I have to um, get up out of here, so I'm going to leave the last portion of this podcast to you. And I um, again hope to all the viewers that you guys have a happy holidays um, and enjoy time with family and loved ones and friends, which is really all that matters at the end of the day. Um, so take the time, appreciate it, um, and, and uh, enjoy the holidays. Thank you, Lance. Thank you for joining. As always, that's Lance Gardner, proprietor of Yes Trees. So if you need your trees trimmed or chopped down, removed, whatever it is, please uh, go to at Yes Trees, Y-E-S exclamation point T-R-E-E. S and uh, have Lance come and service your tree maintenance um, even throughout the winter. So, yes. And uh, we'll be back live next week with you, Lance, I believe. Um, I, we're, are, are we still planning on recording a video on Saturday next week? I'm down as long as the dream shop allows us. All right. So, man, have a happy holidays. Enjoy the family. Um, enjoy this last Christmas without having to buy gifts for your own child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, unless you finish this fourth quarter clutch time for you to lock in. All right, my man. Take care. All right. Peace. Um, concerning trends in hope it never ends. Uh, wow. Well, the Timberwolves don't have a whole lot of concerning trends. Uh, as you know, when you're sitting at 22 and six, there's not a lot going wrong. But I I do have a few. Um, We usually try to do three concerning trends and three hope it never ends. So the first concerning trend that I'm going to have is the alpha bigs that they have had to face and what they have done to the Wolves. Zion goes for 35 and B goes for 50 uh, and Anthony Davis goes for 31. Um, Anthony Davis, I think, shot the low number of free throws against the Wolves um, 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 front line which was nine, I believe he went eight for nine from the free throw line. Uh, and Zion and Joel Embiid feasted against the Wolves from the free throw line. And when Rudy gets early foul trouble, it changes the tenor of a game. And that's a concerning trend. When Rudy has to go to the bench early in first quarters with two fouls, um, it just changes everything for the Wolves on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, it changes the rhythm that they play with on offense. And so that is a bit of a concerning trend is when they go up against teams that have alpha bigs. Um, that's been a problem for the Wolves. It's given them two of their six losses. And so that's something to watch out for because 
you know, Zion is likely going to be in the playoffs. Anthony Davis is likely going to be in the playoffs. Um, so uh, we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on that particular concerning trend. Concerning trend number two is ball control. And I only say this because when the Wolves lose, it generally has a lot to do with the turnovers. And so going back to the one game they lost this week, the Philly game, 18 turnovers. Um, and sometimes Cat is a big culprit. Sometimes Ant is a big culprit. Uh, Lance had just mentioned earlier in the Sacramento game, even though the Wolves did not have a high number of turnovers, Anthony Edwards, out of the 12 turnovers that the Wolves had, had five of them. And a lot of those turnovers are dribbling into traffic unnecessarily, trying to force his way in between two and three people. They're stripping, they're slapping down. Maybe he's not getting calls that he deserves um, that other superstars get, but the, also is this just the decision-making um, of deciding to drive into three people when you can get off the ball early, knowing that you have Mike Conley, Jaden McDaniels, guys out there, you know, Kyle Anderson was making plays in his own way. You have other guys that can make plays, and so I'd much rather have him have three turnovers and 12 assists than to have five turnovers and 10 assists. Or if he doesn't get the assists, let's get the hockey assists and up the team total up by a couple of assists. And then, you know, you know, maybe we have 33 team assists and only 10 turnovers. I know it's a minor thing and I'm nitpicking, but the high number of turnovers by Cat and Ant and the way they get them is a little bit of a concerning thing. I know they're high-volume players. High-volume players are going to turn the ball over. Their job is to press the issue. But I still would like to see a little bit uh, better decision-making because in those games like at Philly, where you have to be really clean, you can't afford to turn the ball over 18 times as a team. Um, the last concerning trend, I don't, man, I'm really reaching to try to find concerning trends right now. And I'll repeat something that I said last week's show was just the little minor injuries, the nicks and bumps here and there. You know, Ant goes down with a little nick and bump. Jaden's been in and out of the lineup with nicks and bumps, whether it's an ankle, whether it's a calf. Um, and all of a sudden, Cat misses the Sacramento game because the knee's bothering him a little bit. And we'll see, you know, the Timberwolves haven't always been forthcoming on the injury report. They make it seem like it's no big deal. And they're kind of giving the hint like he's only going to miss a game, which was the Sacramento game. Um, and we'll, so we'll have to see if Cat's back in the lineup when they go to Oklahoma City on Tuesday. Uh, but that would be my last concerning trend is just the little nicks and bumps. Um, I do believe if Cat is back in the lineup when we go to Oklahoma City on Tuesday, uh, I'm doubling down on my theory that he probably could have played against Sacramento. But I think Chris Finch looked at the matchups. He looked at the way the last game played out. He looked at how much running around Harrison Barnes made cat do and kind of went ah this is a good time to buy you an extra couple days get you four or five days rest on that knee and uh bring you back uh feeling a little bit better against oklahoma city so we'll have to see how that all plays out hope it never ends uh the wolves right now i believe are tied for the best record on the road in the nba uh, I hope that never ends. We've talked about this 16-game stretch, which I believe the Wolves are 5-2 and two in right now. Um, and we talked about, well, if they go 8-8 eight and eight in that stretch, you know, it's it's a positive. It's not a negative to go 500 during such a difficult stretch. Well, right now they're 5-2 and two on that stretch with, you know, wins at Dallas, at Miami, 
um, at Sacramento, um, you know, that they're, they're doing the thing, right? They are doing the thing on the road. And so that's just something you hope it, you hope it never ends. You hope they can go into Oklahoma city and have another statement win. Um, these road games are not easy. They're playing really quality teams. And if they come out of this stretch, you know, even 10 and six, um, I think that that really puts the league on notice. Um, they're on a pace to do better than that right now. And anything better than that, you know, they're almost early in the season kind of staking a really solid claim to that number one overall seed. Of course, Denver's got it going and Denver's not going to let the Wolves get too far away. I think the Wolves have kind of put the uh, put a sense of urgency on the Denver Nuggets because Denver knows how important home court advantage throughout the playoffs was for their run last year. I think the Target Center is becoming a place where teams have acknowledged that it's not really a place they want to try to come in and get a win. Definitely don't want to have to come in here and try to get multiple wins in a playoff scenario. But if the Wolves are going to be one of the best home teams in the league and one of the best road teams in the league, you know, um, that that that's that's saying a lot. So uh, I, the first thing I hope it never ends is the road wins, which is funny because I think the first time we did this segment this on the podcast this year, uh, it was a concerning trend after losses at Atlanta and at Toronto to open the season. And now it's like, oh, the road, hope it never ends, right? Uh, the another thing that we hope it never ends is uh, Mike Conley staying ageless. And I think Mike Conley's been a part of concerning trends and hope it never ends on one side or the other almost every time we've done this segment this year. But uh, he is the Yoda of the Jedi Council. I mean, he he is playing basketball, you know, managing games on a Jedi level, um, leading the team, uh, leading the locker room, making big shots in the fourth quarter, making big passes, making big defensive plays. Um, what what more can you say about Mike Conley? I hope this ageless play continues all the way throughout the rest of the season and into the playoffs. And then the last hope it never ends is uh, I could go with Rudy Gobert. I could go with Anthony Edwards. I'm going to say I, what I hope it never ends is not player-related but team-related. They seem to have really cleaned up the rebounding a lot. Um, in recent games, and I hope that's something that never ends. We know how important the rebounding is to this team's success. Um, no matter how good a defense you play, defense isn't done until you've secured your defensive backboard. It's allowing them to get out and run. Hopefully getting out and run allows them to play with a little bit more pace, and hopefully that leads to an uptick in scoring, and they can kind of climb toward, claw toward being a top 10 in the league offense. And that happens when you defensively rebound the basketball, and they've been doing that better. Um, again, you can't say enough about going into Sacramento and holding them under 100 points, and that doesn't happen if you're giving up a bunch of offensive rebounds or if you're turning the ball over and only 12 turnovers and only eight offensive rebounds given up, um, plus your half-court defense and your transition defense. I believe they smashed Sacramento 22 to 5 in transition points so just an all-around great defensive game protect the ball rebound the ball get back in transition get out in transition after your rebounds um that's how you win at any level that's how you win at basketball and so I'm gonna go with the final hope it never ends as I hope the re the rebounding that the Wolves have gotten a handle on after a little bit of shakiness 
for a while there. I hope it never ends that they continue to dominate the glass. And, you know, you can definitely compliment Rudy. And, and in that, when you look at, you know, Rudy having 17 rebounds against Sacramento, Kyle Anderson pitching in with five, Jaden McDaniels pitching in with five, Mike Conley giving you seven rebounds, Ant pitching in with five. Um, you know, the starters all played big minutes and the starters took care of the glass. And that's how you win basketball games. So that's concerning trends and hope it never ends. Um, tune in next week and Lance and I will each have three more concerning trends and hopefully we'll still be nitpicking concerning trends and trying to figure out, okay, where can we find something to be concerned about? And hopefully we'll um, be flooded with hope it never ends. And hey, if you're listening, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Coach Culture 22 and let us know what are some concerning trends you have or some things that you would like us to mention that you hope never ends. Um, okay, as we close the show uh, next week, we have three games the Wolves do. Um, they The road doesn't get any easier. They have to go at Oklahoma City, who's not going to be uh, very happy after losing to the Lakers last night um, and, and a game in which LeBron and Anthony Davis dominated. And then they got the Dallas Mavericks coming into the Twin Cities, uh, coming into Target Center. Uh, Dallas is definitely going to be on the revenge game tour after kind of getting dominated down in Dallas. It'll be curious to see if Kyrie's going to be back for that one, if Dallas will come up here in full strength. And then the Lakers are going to be coming back, and I got a sneaking suspicion LeBron is not going to miss two games in a row here in Minnesota. The Lakers are still trying to figure out who they are. I predicted before the season started that they might miss the playoffs. And while the national media, because they like to be on the Lakers um, squirrel collectors, uh, nuts, uh, <laughs> they predicted that the Lakers were going to be a top seed coming off their Western Conference Finals appearance, which I thought was fluky. I always thought it was fluky. I didn't believe in it. I felt like they got good matchups against injured teams or against teams that they just matched up well against. Uh, and getting swept by Denver was no surprise to me because I didn't feel like the Lakers should have been there in the first place. And they are stumbling through the season. Uh, and so every game that the Lakers play, LeBron is probably going to be trying to not let the season get away from him. So the week doesn't get any easier. Uh, the only thing that's nice is you got two home games, uh, but neither one of those home games are against slouches. And your road game is against the team that I believe is third in the Western Conference right now. So we've been talking about it for, you know, two weeks before everybody else started talking about it. This 16-game stretch against teams that are at or above 500 is not going to get any easier. Many of these games on the road on Sunday when we have the podcast, we'll talk about the Wolves uh, first week to start the new year. And that's going to be just, man, the, the, the beginning of January. If you think the end of December has been something to deal with, Wait till you see the beginning of January. It is going to be a gauntlet. And so it doesn't get any easier for the Wolves. And we're going to be here to talk about the previous week's games and preview the next week's games each week here on the Coach and the Culture podcast. Next week we'll be at the Dream Shop um, uh, recording on YouTube so that you'll be able to, you know, check out our chicklets live on video and uh, our smiling faces. And until then, have a Merry Christmas. Uh, enjoy this time with your families. Uh, shout outs to our sponsor, The Dream Shop. Uh, if you, it's, you know, 
if you need to get some after Christmas shopping done, uh, head on over to the Dream Shop. Check out Markella, see what she's got for you. Uh, 3701 Fremont Avenue North. Uh, for Lloyd, super producer Leon Coop. For Lance Gardner, owner proprietor of Yes Trees, I am Coach Frank. Uh, we'll be going down to Milwaukee with our Ridgefield basketball team, trying to uh, see if we test our medal against some Wisconsin teams. So I'm sure I'll have lots to talk about from our trip on next week's podcast episode of the Coach and the Culture podcast. Peace. <laughs>